We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday morning ahead of the Chargers matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, excited to get into all of the show today, including some uh, quarterly awards. This is something, obviously, that we did uh, last year, and um, you know, I think it's a good way to kind of measure where certain players are at on this team, so it uh, should be fun. Then we'll also have, of course, our uh, regular show where we're talking about injury updates, uh, last minute thoughts on the game, weekly picks, predictions for the score of this game. Uh, then we'll take some questions as well. So, uh, joining me today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing very well. I was up till about three yesterday going to Universal Horror Nights, and it's not that great. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit underwhelming. Um, what was more impressive? Was the fifty six dollars they were charging for one pizza? Whew. I saw that picture and it kind of looked like a Disneyland graphic. So I was like, "Oh, he's at Disneyland." Um, it was that the same thing? No, we were at Universal. So oh, gotcha. I, I don't, gotcha. Disney, I'm sure, is very close. <laughs> it's all good. Well, I hope you got some uh, good sleep after that. Uh, Alex, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Uh, have you recovered from the uh, Rutgers game last night? No, uh, I haven't recovered because I never put any emotional consideration into not into Big Ten play Rutgers after a certain point. So, I mean, after Ohio State, it was pretty brutal. But we should have beat Nebraska yesterday, but we didn't. Uh, I, I did see Tyler's $56 for a pizza, and I was just like, 
wow uh would never spend that much money on really anything but let alone a pizza <laughs> what it's worth i did not my fiance and i we split one ten dollar slice of pizza ten dollars for a ten dollars for a slice mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was either that or the 15 dollar nachos so was it a big slice at least sure i guess <laughs> I would have been starving. I would have been hangry. It would not have been a fun time. <laughs> oh, I, w- I would have starved. Yeah, it was either broke or hangry. And I can work through broke. Hangry, I cannot manage. So I had to have a pizza. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, we will not have to spend a ton of time on uh, injury updates today, thankfully. Uh, we'll start with the good news first. Uh, Gerald Everett was listed initially on the injury report on uh, Thursday after not showing up on Wednesday with a hamstring injury. Uh, he has no injury designation ahead of tomorrow's game, which is fantastic news. Uh, lately, anytime I see hamstring pop up, I get a little nervous. Uh, but he sounds like he's fully good to go. And uh, the Chargers will get Donald Parham for the first time this season on Sunday as well. So this will be... The first time all season that we get the Chargers tight end room at full strength. Uh, very, very excited personally to watch Donald Parham back on the field. Um, Alex, what kind of uh, advantages, I guess, do you think this gives the Chargers uh, heading into this one now that Parham is presumably healthy uh, and ready to go? Uh, I mean, it gives them a lot of advantages, just what he's able to do in the blocking game, which they've kind of been lacking in, what he's able to do in the red zone. I feel like we've been saying this as he's been preparing to, you know, potentially play for these last couple of weeks, but um, they've liked, he, he's never been, I think, like a breakout player for the Chargers, but, you know, they've always liked having him there. Uh, and his absence has been noticeable just as much as, you know, uh, his, his play on the field since the end of last season. So getting him back, I think, is a huge advantage. Yeah. If they're trying to run the ball at all, I kind of would have heard and we had discussed it with the Trey McKitty wasn't looking so hot in the run game and then just watching him now a little bit more, not even intentionally, just kind of in the peripheral. Yeah, it's kind of ugly watching Trey McKitty run block sometimes, particularly if they're trying to go outside. So will Donald Parham come right back in and be better? I hope so. And I think so. Uh, but either way, that's huge for them. And without Keenan Allen, this is a game that might be pretty tough for the Chargers and they need a layup and Donald Parham is a great layup. Yeah, that's a great way of putting that. You know, uh, there were so many times last year where you know you get Parham into a screen game, you get him into the flats, and and he's just able to make people miss. Man, like I'm just in awe watching him um, make these plays after the catch for being somebody who's six eight, six nine. It just you know doesn't make sense in my brain watching him be so shifty after the catch. So um, I'm curious to see if they end up maybe kind of rolling with Richard Rodgers in that third tight end role. Um, and maybe make Trey McKitty inactive um, because he he has not played well. And, you know, I was laughing on earlier this week. Somebody was like, well, they don't need Donald Parham. They have Trey McKitty. It's like uh, they definitely need Donald Parham. So uh, Parham was their best blocker last year. I expect that to be the case this year. Um, He just gives them such a big advantage on the edge. You know, he's not like a Mercedes Lewis, Virgil Green kind of blocker, but he's pretty freaking close in my opinion. Um, so I'm excited to see him get back out there. Um, like I said, curious to see what happens with Trey McKitty because he has been struggling. Like Tyler said, it's, it's not been pretty was hoping for, you know, kind of another step for him to solidify that blocking role. And that hasn't really happened. So, um, excited to see Parham get back out there for sure. Do we know what McKitty's snaps were last game? 
did they go? I guess they didn't really go down because he was only he was tied in two. Uh, I mean, he, we he played a ton of snaps in the first week. Right. Remember that, um, and then it kind of has been like steadily declining since then. Okay. Um, let me look it up really quickly. Went down to so almost sixty percent in week one, then fifty-two, then thirty-one, but then it shot back up to about fifty-three uh, against Houston. So, no real pattern there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he only played nineteen snaps against Jacksonville. That was probably more so due to like game scripts i would assume obviously because they were trailing so much in that game Mm -hmm. um but it it had been pretty steady in terms of total amount it was 40 39 37 last week against houston so um would definitely imagine that comes down quite a bit um obviously the other one that we do have to talk about is keenan allen uh declared out did not practice at all this week um you know, I, I understand a little bit of the frustration, right? Like we haven't seen Keenan Allen for more than a quarter and a half this year, which has just not been fun. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, I should have been placed on IR from day one. Like, why did they do this? And I think it's obviously important to point out that you only get eight slots for designation once you put a player on IR. So they're already saving two of those, presumably for Joey Bosa and Rashawn Slater. Um, so they only have six for the whole rest of the season. So burning an IR slot to return on Keenan Allen's hamstring injury when he was, I mean, he said he would have been a 50, 50 chance in week two, had the game been on Sunday and it it didn't sound like the hamstring injury was that serious. So, you know, I, I don't understand why people are so upset that Keenan Allen did not get put on IR. You just kind of have to wait and see what happens there. And, uh, unfortunately he had a, a setback last week. And at this point, I don't even know if he plays next week against the Broncos, like just based off of how they've handled other hamstring injuries and trying to get mm-hmm. people back into full practices and give them some time back. So I, I, it's a it's a big bummer, man. They miss Keenan Allen quite a bit, of course, as the pass catcher, also as a blocker. Um, but I don't understand why people are so upset that he wasn't placed on IR. Right, it's not like yeah. this is the week one injury, and then oh, I didn't even like. I mean, it was the week one injury, but it wasn't the same one that's nagging him currently, or it is, but it was reaggravated. You know what I mean? So, it's fine. And at this point, the Chargers have used what half of their IR designated to returns, or because they left one open for not used, but they have one open for Slater. Technically, there is one for Joey. If they had used one on Keenan, they'd be at three. So you can't just like roll through all of these, and by the end of the year, you're up. Nobody can return anymore. So. Yeah. If they had done it, it for Parham, that would have been four. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in we're in week five right now, are we? Yeah, yeah. we're in week five. God. Uh, <laughs> so, but like you said, against Denver, yeah, I don't really see him returning. I mean, we had talked about him coming back in some limited form this week and either barely being out there or not being out there, but at least getting some practice in. No practice at all. I don't know. Now, I, I guess Keenan could literally not practice next week and then still play because I don't think he needs to. But, yeah, it's looking like we're looking at this as a week seven return. And so people are talking about the bye, and I, I wouldn't be surprised with that either. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation to manage just because it is a hamstring injury, and it looked like everything was fine, and he was going to play the Texans game, and then that Thursday he reaggravates it, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's just something that it is so easy to reaggravate, even though it's not per se a serious injury, but it is just 
so easy to fall kind of back into that. So, you know, it's weird for people to be like, why didn't they just put him on IR when he was going to play the Texans game until he yeah. wasn't and then he wasn't OK anymore. So um, tough situation for sure. But I don't think, you know, for, you know, Hammy, that's going to basically be a week to week thing with him that you should use an IR spot on that, um, especially considering potential more injuries in the future. Uh, going to be another tough week for them, I guess, in the receiving room. Going to need a big game for Mike Williams uh, and, you know, more support from everyone else. But, yeah, definitely still really missed at this point. Yeah, I mean, with, uh, I mean, Josh Palmer is banged up. It sounds like he's going to play. Um, but I, because of him and his situation, I would, I would definitely expect to see Michael Bandy get elevated um, later today and play again tomorrow, which should be fun. Uh, another game of Michael Bandy. So, <laughs> Um, maybe we can get more than five Jason Moore snaps. I don't know. Um, not that I'm advocating for that, but you know, he's <laughs> on the active roster, so might as well see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Palmer, they were running, running the offense very, very well. A lot of pre-snap motion with Josh Palmer as soon as he went out, despite the fact that he literally had one catch for 25 yards, everything was not working for yeah. the Chargers for whatever reason, that pre-snap motion everything it freed up the the dressing on the play whatever it is everything did not work he comes back in i think they had a half decent drive but then the second drive was that touchdown scoring drive to win it so there's just something about that with josh palmer in that was working against the texans um, i would need more games to kind of figure out what especially because again he only had one catch for 25 yards um, but that was huge for them so him being out there in some capacity would be great if not it was michael benny who took up his spot after that so again i don't really know what jason moore's like is it is it a Mike Williams insurance at this point? I guess. Yes. I don't know. It's weird. We'll see what happens. They signed Keelan Doss to the practice squad this week. Um, you know, I had heard uh this week that John Hightower was looking pretty good in practice. Um we'll see if obviously that's relative, so maybe he can potentially work his way onto uh, you know, the active roster down the road. We'll see what happens there, but um if they activate Michael Bandy to the practice squad this week, then they only have one other time after that until they have to sign him to the practice or to the active roster or keep him on the practice squad for the whole season. So um, obviously something to keep an eye on there. Uh, people pointing out the Raiders did cut Tyron Johnson uh, yesterday. Um, I would love for that to happen. I mean, Justin Herbert trusts him. They need his speed. But that also would require Tyron Johnson wanting to come back. And I don't know if that really is is likely to happen, if that's something that he feels like is necessary. So um, based off of what we know about him and how he kind of played against the Chargers, I would be pretty surprised if he wanted to come back uh, to play in Los Angeles. He runs faster than a 493. It's not happening. <laughs> I, I liked Keelan Doss's film, man, but it, it was so funny. I was like, oh, oh like yeah. I, I don't think he's super slow, but I wanted, I, you know, I went and look at his RAS score, right? And it's high six two, four five guy. I'm like, this is this team is hilarious, man. Like, if you're if you're even remotely in the four fours, like they're just not interested. And if you're under six two, no chance. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that maybe he'll kick out Jason Moore at some point. No offense to Jason Moore, but like. Nothing's happening right now. So if you find another big guy who can get four snaps and one target that's intentional grounding, hey, go for it. (laughs) 
Also, watching the film back of that play really made me upset because they let so uh, Grenard just tee off on Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. And then they called the intentional grounding. I'm like, what the hell is this play? Like, he he launched himself at Justin Herbert's torso. Like, it was it was brutal. It was I was not a happy camper watching that. Yeah. Hmm. Shout out Envy Talent for becoming a new member. I thought you were one, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, if you're not a member uh, on here or on Patreon, make sure and join up. You can get into our uh, Discord where we uh, have some great chats and uh, drop some information whenever we are able to. Yeah, um, man, if you want John Hightower practice squad signing news early before Twitter, by golly, join our Discord. There you go. There you go. Um, yes, the Chargers are favored to sign Odell at this point. I don't fully understand why. Um, you know, Odell's doing this whole like college tour thing at this point. So I would bet money that he's either a Ram or a Bill uh, in the next month or so. Um, but yeah. All right, let's get to our uh, week five picks. Um, we are all currently nine and seven. Uh, so that's been uh, a, a fun challenge over the last few weeks. Alex barely scraped by with the <laughs> Packers last week. Uh, we were chatting beforehand about you know how much he was sweating that pick. So um, it is Tyler's uh, chance to go first this week. Uh, I'm, I can imagine who he's already getting a pick as his favorite. Um, but then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So Tyler, uh, who's your favorite of the week? Yeah, it could have gone either way. Um, but yeah, I'll go with the, the bills over the Steelers. Yeah. I just feel like that's a pretty safe bet. So, um, which is again, what we said about the Packers over the Patriots last week. And that was a freaking nail biter. <laughs> <so>. uh, <laughs> yeah. The relief I had when they made that kick in <laughs> overtime was unlike any other I've ever felt. <laughs> uh, i saw that score i'm like no way because we have on video on the previous episode like the biggest slam dunk in three years <laughs> i, I literally i literally <laughs> said i was never going to make a pick again and i was going to have to like <laughs> i'm just, just not gonna have to go zero and zero the rest of the week but thankfully mm-hmm. the Packers came through well, it looks like the yeah. chargers just made their elevations Ooh, oh awesome michael bandy elevated i like that there wasn't much to his two receptions because like he kind of just had a, a free shot at the sideline on a corner a couple of times but it was the chemistry and the trust between him and herbert that i thought was really really cool so i'll take it uh yeah, high still on the practice squad i would assume yeah so they only elevated michael bandy and then the kicker taylor bertolette or bertolet i don't know how oh, okay it. so he's playing tomorrow um it sounds like dustin hopkins i guess we should probably should have talked about that one as well um dustin hopkins is basically a game time decision for them um so they don't i mean they don't have to make bertolette active until you know obviously dustin goes through his pregame warm-ups i'm, I'm a, yeah. honestly a little confused why they picked this guy to be the backup plan for dustin hopkins i think he's mm-hmm. got like in AAF games and all of the CFL games, he was like a 75% kicker. And I'm like, there, there's, there's, there's better guys out there than this guy. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, Ryan Ficken spoke pretty highly of him. Um, but that's it. I don't, I, like, I, I don't know. It was a little strange. Is he a big leg guy? Is he a, a kicker? Uh, yeah. They, do, yeah. Uh, Ficken did mention that, that they really like the way that he strikes the ball and, and how far he can kick it. I mean, I guess that is an upgrade over Hopkins if he can kick a 60-yarder. 
So is it bad that I just kind of want more injured kickers so we can get 2021 fourth down Staley back where like he just doesn't <laughs> trust his kickers or anything at all? Because I was sort of Not talking about all. that with Arjun on the on the Thursday show, and it was just like if this is kind of the move, like to be more aggressive. Like I mean, I I, I wouldn't mind it because um, I think sometimes definitely we did see them go for the big fourth and one last week, which I mean was a relief, mm-hmm. but. Uh, definitely do want to get back, more back to that philosophy. So uh, I, if a guy named Taylor Bertolette uh, feeds into that, I am pleased. All right. Okay. Somebody was saying that they already saw that Miles, or not that Miles, that Jadavion Clowney is out. I haven't seen anything official oh. there. Sounds like he he's a, still he, questionable. I thought, he was, I thought he was trending positive. I thought he was. So. he practiced yesterday. Yeah, he did practice yesterday. But he's still obviously uh, listed as a game time decision. Yeah, I haven't. I'm not. I haven't seen anything about him being out. So, uh, I don't know where that's coming from. Hmm. Probably just guess. Nope. We get to face both of them. That's awesome. Or I don't get to. I get to sit on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, big game for the offensive tackles for sure. Um. Okay, so I'll go next here with the uh, with the picks. Um, I thought about taking the Packers, uh, but they are like thirty first in run defense success rate Ooh. this year, and the Giants have just been running the shit out of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones uh, this year. So uh, nervous about that game. I'm going to go ultimately with the Chiefs over the Raiders, um, the Monday night game. I feel like we have a Monday night game each week, but um Patrick Mahomes is averaging like 38 points a game against the Raiders I just don't think the Raiders are uh very good on defense and uh the Chiefs are actually like pretty good on defense so you know they're they're, they rank pretty highly across the board and DVOA EPA per play and stuff like that uh so I think the Chiefs beat the Raiders pretty easily on Monday night what do you think about those Colts beating the Chiefs like is that one of the most improbable (laughs) wins it just it feels like the Jaguars beating the Bills last year, like just like the flukiest <laughs> right. game. Um, I mean the the Chiefs fumbled a kickoff. They uh, went for a they did a fake field goal that would have been like a twenty three yard field goal. Um, the new kicker missed a field goal, so it was just a really weird like fluky special teams day. I mean, obviously we know the Colts are not that good. Um, so yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs or the Raiders. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I'm going to take Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. That one's uh, sneaky for Atlanta, but I know. I was I get surprised it, at how, how, because it's like Buccaneers by seven. Is Oh, it's Buccaneers by 10. Yeah. Kind of That's a kind fun. of a sneaky one. If we were doing like minus ten, I would not take that by any means. But since yeah. we're just going outright, do you think Tom Brady and Gru get the job done there? Um, yeah, yeah. The cool. Falcons are a, a sneaky fun squad, man. Arthur Smith is doing some really cool stuff in the run game. Mm-hmm. I wish he would target Kyle Pitts though. I have I have Kyle I'm Pitts sure in you three do. fantasy leagues, <laughs> three fantasy leagues, and he's like tight end like 28 right now it's just so upsetting best blocker in the league (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't draft kyle pitts for blocking though (laughs) i need him Um, to hold out and then being a charger yeah honestly yeah um all right alex we'll uh snake this so who's your underdog pick of the week 
Ooh, underdog pick of the week. Um, not a lot of not a lot of material left here uh, to work with. I'll go Cincinnati over Baltimore um, in the primetime game. I think Baltimore is a three and a half point favorite there. Um, Baltimore's had some bad luck in recent weeks, but I I do think Cincinnati pulls off the upset there. Yeah, that, that that to me is like the best game of the week. Um, mm. You know, so it should be fun to see how that one plays out. Um, the biggest no-brainer upset, or I guess upset underdog for me, is the Cowboys over the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be basically a uh, Cowboys home game down there in SoFi. Um, and Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence are just going to mm-hmm. destroy the Rams offensive line, which is just complete trash. So they're injured, obviously, but um yeah i think the cowboys are just gonna make life a living hell for matthew stafford on sunday yeah absolutely well after last week after me saying steven don't pick the lions because they always bite you in the ass i'm gonna pick the detroit lions to <laughs> beat the um who are they playing <laughs> i forgot who they're playing hold on uh, <laughs> okay that was the one detroit lions or the new england patriots um sure why not at some point you should beat the quarter the team with the third string quarterback but we'll see yeah no uh no faith in bailey zappy huh no <laughs> fair fair um all right tyler you'll go uh next for your either or pick okay so we did hold on, let me see what we already did oh gosh <sighs> yeah Bye, Eagle. Fuck you. Oh, I was going to do that. <laughs> Fuck off. I knew you were going to do it, too. Because there was a part of me that was like, I wanted to take it for the favorite, but then I was like, I can't pass up Tampa Bay. So, uh. <laughs> What are they saying, man? They're, yeah. Five and a half. It sounds, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I just, they're clicking right now. And again, a good trenches team, so. Yeah. Uh, next one for me, I talked about a bad, a great defense beating up on a bad offense. So I'm going to go Niners over the Panthers for my other pick. Niners over the Panthers. Um, just take the Packers. Wait, <laughs> is okay. Ooh, I could take the Packers. Wait, wait, what? New Orleans is a five point favorite over Seattle. Is you doubting Gino? Uh, Fanduel has five and a half. MGM has four and a half. For what it's worth. Wait, so the Saints are favored by five and a half over the Seahawks? Correct. It's in New Orleans. I'm going to take Geno Smith and the Seahawks <laughs> over the New Orleans Saints. I'm no going to Aaron Rodgers over the Giants is crazy. I don't. I'm Aaron sorry. disappointed me last week. Saquon <laughs> could run over them. It's a London game. I don't care. I'm riding with That's Gino, true. best quarterback. Oh, it's in the a London game. Yeah. The London game is always a weird one to pick, so I'm going to stay away from it. Did you see that this is the first London game where both teams are entering it with a winning record? Well, that's what happens when the Jags play there every fucking year. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's very true. Uh, Geno Smith, man, what a story. Like, Mm. it's just uh, hilarious, man, that the Seahawks trade away Russell Wilson and get better at quarterback with Geno Smith. I mean, also, the Saints are playing Andy Dalton, I, I think, still sure. over. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take my odds there. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, we will uh, start here with our Chargers predictions. Um, I, I want to just get like a general sense of where each of our heads are at before we ultimately make our predictions. Um, obviously, the Chargers losing to the Jaguars. There were a lot of bad vibes. Last week, we were not super opt- optimistic about everything. Um, so, Tyler, you're up first, man. Where's your head at heading into tomorrow? And then uh, ultimately make your prediction. I'm terrified. <laughs> This Browns team is so good at running the football. I don't think people understand. Like, yeah, it's rushing the football. Whoop-de-doo. Their numbers are so freaking good, and we talked about it on the last show. Coupled with that is the fact that the quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, and he's not great, but he'll get it done. And you listen, you have one shot, maybe, to pick the ball off, maybe two. But otherwise, he's got one turnover-worthy play game uh, so far this year, and that's not going to help you very much on, on defense. Obviously, Keenan Allen's not around. Obviously, you know, Joey Bozo, some of these guys are not back. Miles Garrett will be back. I I kind of wish there was an official both Garrett and Kalani are active or are going to play sort of thing so I could officially kind of make this prediction. But I'm really, really worried about this team, about this Browns team, especially in Cleveland now, whereas last year there was a shootout, but it was at home. I don't really know what to make of them because their defense – the Browns defense has not been great and they haven't been facing even really great offenses at the same time. You don't want to be the team that is, is their bounce back, their get right game and Garrett comes back and Kleine comes back and suddenly everything comes together. I am actually going to hate this, but I'm going to pick the chargers to lose this one because I think the Browns are, are a much better team than the Texans. I think they have a better quarterback. I think they have a much better rushing game um and frankly they should have a better defense like houston their defense was pretty bad like facing the chargers don't get me wrong chargers did a lot on offense to win that game but the texans were really bad so i'm going to say that the chargers lose 27 28 to the browns on sunday and if they beat them i will feel so much better about the chargers moving forward but there's a very, 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 very good rushing offense that is one of the best we've seen right now in through four games. And the Chargers, they got to show me they can stop the run. And so far, they haven't. So it's yeah. unfortunate, but I'm going to say Chargers lose 27-28. Yeah, so I, I, like I said, heading into the Houston game, it was just like I was not super excited about where this team was at. I was, you know, after the Jacksonville game, I was picturing like, okay, like if they can be four and three after the bye like that's like best case scenario and you know we talked on sunday about this being kind of or the last week kind of being a a positive stepping stone for this team and and this is like the biggest test right like this is how you prove to the rest of the you know country the rest of us that this team is back on track to what we were kind of expecting heading into this because this cleveland browns team is really really good on offense they have some great talent on defense they their defensive rankings are not good. You know, they're they're a bottom tier defense statistically, which is surprising given the fact that they have, you know, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and Jeremiah Ousukoromoa and John Johnson and Denzel Ward and like all these guys that we like. And it just has not clicked. So um I'm nervous about this game, but at the same time, I'm I'm actually excited because I think the Chargers do have a really good chance to win this game. Um, like you mentioned, the key is how do they show up in the run game because right now the chargers are i think 12th in run defense success rate they're 18th in run defense dvoa but they've given up those three 
50 yard plus runs. And that's a big problem against the Cleveland Browns team that leads the league by a pretty good margin in runs of 15, 20, 25, 50 yards or more runs. So I was listening to the athletic football show and they were talking about this game. And um, Robert Mays was saying that there have been 12 runs of 50 yards or more across the whole league this year. The Chargers have given up three of those 12 runs. They've given up 25% of the 50-yard runs across the league. So if the secondary and the linebackers can manage to not give up that home run play to Nick Tubb and Kareem Hunt, I feel good about their chances of winning. But I'm I'm pretty like this is a 50-50 toss-up kind of game for me. Um, you know, Chargers are our favorite, I think, by like three and a half or two and a half or whatever we said, which I was nervous about. I do think the offense will be able to hold up, but this game being in Cleveland, Miles Garrett coming back does make me want to pick against the Chargers for the first time. Uh, so I am unfortunately going to do that as well as Tyler. Mm. So I'm going, I'll say the Browns win 30 to 27. Yeah, uh, I I thought I was gonna be the lone wolf in picking against the Chargers. But oh like, no, yeah. we're going to three and zero. Yeah, um, I think this is gonna be a very close game. It comes down to some sort of field goal uh, or one point game, like Tyler said. But for me, I just think the Chargers' weaknesses, particularly where they've been injured the whole season, no Slater, no Keenan, no Bosa, like. All of those things, I think, just hurt you against the Browns, right? It's going to be Jamari Salyer's second test against potentially, you know, arguably the best edge in the league uh, in Miles Garrett. It is, you know, you're playing the best offensive line in the league with no Joey Bosa. Uh, and then, you know, uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Chargers, like, you know, no Keenan Allen for another week where you can probably, and they did get by the Texans by doing that, Um but I, I just think the Browns kind of do everything that the Chargers don't do well. Uh, and so for me, it's it's less about the Browns are like this juggernaut team. I mean, like they're, they're starting Jacoby Brissett. Like we yeah. have the better quarterback. Um, and in theory, I think a lot, you know, that's probably what the betting lines are going with in that regard. Uh, you know, potentially you could argue the offense with the higher ceiling when everyone is healthy. Um but at the same time, I just think there's too many injuries right now for the Chargers and the Browns are, you know, can sort of expose the real weaknesses in this Chargers team right now. And the, the premier you know, aspect of that is the run game. Yeah. And people keep on saying to me like, oh, the Chargers can just get in on an early lead and the Browns will stop running the football. No, they do not care about game script. They will continue to run the ball until the game is over. You know, they're not going to ask Jacoby Reset to drop back 50 times and win a game that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm nervous about this game. Like I said, I am excited. I, I don't think this is like a doom and gloom week. You know, if the chargers do end up losing and it's a close game, I still potentially could feel better about where they're at heading into the following weeks. But to me, like this run defense has been significantly better for sure than last year. I mean, last year we were talking about a bottom tier unit. And this year we're talking about, you know, right around average, if not slightly above average. But, you know, this is a a team that's given up those three 50-yard games and you're going up against the Cleveland Browns who's going to continue to do that. So um, it's – 
like Tyler just said in the chat, it's not a lack of faith in Justin Herbert and the offense. I think this just really comes down. Like I, I trust Justin Herbert and the offense to handle their business. I mean, we're talking about all three of us having at least 27 points on the board for the Chargers offense. Like, I think this is not a Justin Herbert issue. I just don't have full confidence in the defense handling their business against this Cleveland Browns run game. And really it's as simple as that to me. And I mean, to overcome the 220 yards that they gave up to Chubb and Hunt last year, the Chargers had to score 47 points, right? <laughs> like at home. Uh, now you're on the road in a significantly less healthy state than the Chargers were in as a team last year, right? Just statistically speaking, based on adjusted games lost and all of those mm -hmm. things. Um, I just don't think this one goes to them. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that game last year, okay, why were they so successful on offense outside of Justin Herbert being, you know, God tier to that game? Okay, a couple of busted coverages from Mike Williams. That was great. Uh, probably won't happen. You can't assume that's going to happen again. Busted coverage twice in a row for two big touchdowns. Uh, Keenan Allen, I believe, caught two fourth down passes that game, and he had a really, really good game for them. Uh, he's not there. We'll see what Donald Parham's up to. Uh, Rashawn Slater saying, hey, I can handle this by myself against Miles Garrett. Uh, he's not out there. Uh, Brandon Staley is not going for it on fourth down as much. That was a huge part of the reason they won. Mm -hmm. The Browns are kind of the same team uh, as they were last year, and they get to get them at home. And again, their defense hasn't been great, but I just I feel like just knowing the players that are there on their defense and, and with Miles Garrett coming back and Clowney being back, things will start to look a lot better than their – I think they're ranked what, like 26th right now in defense EPA per play, but that's without some of their best players – and I just feel like you could you could kind of get right, unfortunately, against the Chargers. Uh, again, we, we all believe in Jamari Salyer, but if we did not see him last week, what would we, what would the chat be predicting right now? That he'd hold <laughs> up against Miles Garrett? Probably not. No. And you'd probably be picking him to lose, or you know, the Chargers to lose, kind of based on that. I think he'll do okay, but this is Miles Garrett, healthy or not. And listen, I'm all for a zero pressure game again. Don't get me wrong. I just I'm not really buying into it. So the difference between what happened last year and this year, no Keenan Allen, Michael Webb's not getting those busted coverages. They don't even have their freaking kicker. Staley's not going for it on fourth down, and the run defense is still struggling with those big plays. And by the way, Nasir Adderley, remember that game last year? We didn't look so good tackling David Njoku. He ain't looking so hot right now either. So and I think that Jacoby Brissett, based on how Baker looked last year, is probably either the same or a slight upgrade. So I don't know, man. Like this is a very this can the Chargers win? Totally. Absolutely. Can absolutely win. There's a world where, listen, the run game is just randomly inefficient. Chargers get some breaks. They get a big lead. Who knows? But this Brown, like their Browns rushing attack is better than like 25 teams in the league or whatever it is in EPA per play compared to their drop back EPA per play. That should not happen. That should not happen. It's incredible. So if the Chargers can shut, if the Chargers can shut down an incredible, amazing rushing attack, Without Joey Bosa, hey, great. Um, but show me that first. Show me, you know, Mike Williams being consistent. Show me Brandon Staley's going to go for it. Show me this kicker can make a kick. Show me Saul you can hold up against Miles Garrett, you know. And then I would pick them the next week. But until then, I just don't. I don't. I don't really don't buy it. Um, as as Holden says in the chat, our, us reverse jinxing this is an attempt to get a win tomorrow. So <laughs> if, if, if if you get a win, then you can all thank us later, and then we can move on. Yeah, it was our because of us. So yeah, it was yeah. Not the players who, who play, not the, yeah. No. Was yeah. Um, listen, like Tyler was saying, there's absolutely a chance where the Chargers pull this off. You know, they, um, 
like I said, they're 11th in success rate on the ground on defense. They're 18th in DVA. They have been better. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're talking about Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Khalil Mack, Morgan Fox making a huge difference for this team. And uh, also, we'll talk about Morgan Fox in a second here, so I don't want to spoil that. But, um, you know, this defensive line is better. I think Drew Tranquil is playing at a good level. The Kenneth Murray thing, he's playing better than last year for sure. The way they're using him is weird to me. If if the secondary can like really handle their business this week, then the Chargers can absolutely control this Browns offense because that's I mean, that's the question every single week. I mean, Nick Chubb has run, I think it's like 29 times outside of the tackle box, and he's averaging like seven yards a carry. He's got five play five runs of 10 yards or more and three touchdowns or something like that and 10 first downs so if the chargers can like figure it out in secondary against the run then sure they can absolutely be very successful on defense this week um but nasir adderley has not been good this year he's taken a pretty big step back in my opinion to kind of who Mm -hmm. he was in 2020 which is not what you want to see bryce callahan is a fantastic fantastic cover corner playing the run is not his strength and mm-hmm. so you're you're asking so much of Derwin James at the third level to be this like elite run defense safety, and he can absolutely do that. But it's just a different beast against this Browns team. So um, it's going to be a big test. If the Chargers pass it, then and we come back here tomorrow after a win and the run defense holds up, then we're having potentially a very 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 positive conversation about this team tomorrow. So. I'm definitely excited about it. I don't feel like this is a game where uh, the Chargers have no chance of winning by any means, but um, playing at home with this run game with Miles Garrett comes back, I think logically you just kind of have to pick the Browns in this one. I, I like. I wish that the three of us could come on here and be all Chargers homer all the time when it comes to picking games, but uh, I think my brain is pretty clearly telling me to pick the Browns in this matchup. Yep. Let's see. Yeah, they're the Browns rushing EPA per play is 0.179. If that was just compared to entire offenses in the league for total EPA per play, that would be second in the league behind the Chiefs. So <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. And like they I mean, they've haven't had Jack Conklin for two games. They lost their starting center in the preseason. Um, you know, like Jedrick Wills missed a game and it just doesn't matter. Like Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller and this, and these running backs and Bill Callahan and Kevin Stefanski, they're just, they're just a buzzsaw on the ground. And it's Mm -hmm. such a, I mean, Brandon Staley invites teams to run the ball. Like this is the way that he schemes defense and it just, it's a bad matchup on defense. So, um, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Hope I'm and if wrong. we're all wrong, then we'll all be very, very happy. So Yeah, that means a lot of things were great for this team. Like run defense probably got fixed, or just Justin Herbert's a god tier. Or hey, Mike Williams had a, 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 he put together two elite games in a row, which would be huge for us to see. So uh, would love to see it. But again, this is, this would literally, their rushing attack would literally be the second best offense in the league ahead of the Bills <laughs> and just behind the Chiefs. And so, I mean, I know Jacoby Brissett isn't that great, but right now, like I get that we have Justin Herbert, but their rushing attack is figured out. Like they know what they're doing, and it's better than any passing attack the Chargers have right now. Like right now, their rushing attack is better than what Justin Herbert 
could give you, at least in terms of a per-play basis. Now, again, we saw Herbert put up set 47 points, um, so it's very possible. But, again, I, I just like you said, my brain can't let me pick the Chargers in this one. Yeah, and uh, the other thing, like, Jacoby Brissett's not that great, but he also doesn't, like, give the ball away, right? Like, he's yeah. also not right. going to like, give you opportunities, you know, for Chargers defense that I think has been at its best when it's gotten those turnovers this year, particularly, like, against Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, what, yeah what it is from... Sorry. I was just going to bring that same point up. So, um, this is a great point from Chorizo Compapas, what the Browns did last year, which is exactly why we did what we did in the offseason. This is the proven game for Staley and Tom Telesco. I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, th- like I said, this defensive front has been playing well. It's unfortunate that like the secondary is the reason why this team is is giving up such a mm-hmm. high amount of big plays on the ground. Um, but I think you feel okay about the way that the front can play in this game. It's just they're going to get to this. The, the Browns running backs are going to get to the second and third levels, you know, f- pretty frequently. And I just don't trust Kenneth Murray, Nasir Adderley, Bryce Callahan, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Alohi Gilman to be able to get the job done. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you heard about Kenneth Murray and what he's being asked to do and why we're seeing what we're seeing? Yeah, so if you really have been watching the last two weeks, they're essentially run-blitzing Kenneth Murray like every other play, it feels like. And it seems like basically their plan is to try and get him to just go full speed and take out a center, a guard or whatever, and just kind of like alter the the plan at the line of scrimmage. Um, sometimes it has worked. Sometimes it, it gives Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson a one-on-one and they're able to, uh, you know, handle that, handle that play pretty easily and, and go make a, go make a tackle. Other times, it leaves them very, very exposed at the second level, which, again, is is that plan has not specifically led to some big plays in terms of, like, the 50-yarders. Um, but it's it's a strange plan. And so I reached out to a source within the building about, like, what's going on here? What's the thought process there? And basically, they feel better about Kenneth Murray blitzing against the run than they do about him having to, like, sift through traffic and have to make a play in space and like read and react. So it's, it's pretty frustrating that like they put this kind of limitation on Kenneth Murray. I do think he is seeing things better to an extent. Um, But this is the kind of thing that a smart team like the Browns will look at and say, Oh, you're going to just run blitz this linebacker. We're going to gash you all day long with this kind of concept. So that's another thing that, I'm very nervous about going forward because it's just, it's not sustainable to have a linebacker run blitzing this often. Yeah. So there's so much either star power or just that, Hey, Kenneth Murray might make four elite tackle for loss plays in a row. Like there's a, there's a world where you roll the dice enough and Kenneth Murray makes great plays and everyone makes their tackles and Derwin James gets a sack fumble and someone gets a tip ball interception. Like I think, the Chargers and their star power and even just some luck can definitely go their way. I just, I believe that the Browns, even their defense is, eh, I believe their offense is just consistent. You might not have the star power that the offense or the defense for the Chargers have, but I just feel like they're just so consistent. Um, but yeah, hopefully I see more from Kenneth Murray where it's like, oh, hopefully those pay off because it looks really cool. You know, he's <laughs> running really hard and slamming into guards and it's, you know, sometimes he, you know, knocks some guys around and looks great. 
Um, so maybe look, maybe things go positively and those kinds of plays actually lead to listen, second and 12, you know, third and nine or whatever it is for the, um, the Browns. Yeah. Doing that against Joel Batonio. That's not <laughs> a smart decision. That's, that's just not a smart decision. So, um, you know, I said this yesterday, Kyle Van Oy took, um, 33 of his 35 snaps, I believe, uh, on the edge last week. And I thought he was pretty good against the run. I don't think he really mm-hmm. showed up as a pass rusher, but I thought he was good yeah. against the run. But if he's going to be 95% edge rusher without Joey Bosa, I want to see Troy Reader get some more action uh, on early downs as they kind of try and keep that rotation. Because I felt like the rotation was working when it was Kyle Van Oy, Murray kind of splitting that weak side linebacker role in half, essentially. And then Drew Tranquil was was playing his role. So if NOA is a full-time edge, I, I think especially in this game where you have to be assignment sound on every single play, I think you need more Troy Reader in this game and less Kenneth Murray. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, do we still want to do the awards? I mean, we, we've been talking for 47 minutes already. <laughs> sure. I mean, we can roll through them. All right. Well, we're, we'll roll through them pretty quickly here. Um, we're going to do hopefully some more positive takes here. Um, but we're going to talk about MVP of the first quarter of the season, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, best signing, biggest surprise, and biggest disappointment. So um we'll roll through these pretty quickly and then take about 10 minutes of questions after that um alex we'll start with you we'll just do sets of three i guess so who so far is your mvp of the chargers offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year uh mvp justin herbert very obvious uh defensive player of the year to this point uh go with Khalil Mack. Don't really know if there's like another option there. You could probably go to someone in the secondary like Asante Samuel Jr. if you really wanted to because he's been impressive. Um, but with Joey Bosa out, that you know kind of skews things obviously mm-hmm. for what that award could have been. Um, offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Trey Pipkins. Gosh dang it. Uh, I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I mean, I mean look, I, I, I'm trying to roll through these quick, but the stats are there. I mean, he has yeah. what if you combine the two games uh, he started last year with the four games he's played this year, it's six pressures or sorry, seven pressures in six games. He's allowed one quarterback hit uh, in that time span and zero sacks. Like the the production that you've gotten out of him 
uh, on a Chargers team where you Rashawn Slater is out for probably the rest of the year. Maybe he'll be able to come back late. Uh, Filers regressed. And you've had Corey Lindsley week to week with the tendonitis issue. The fact that Trey Pipkins has been as good and as much of a stabilizing force as he has been is the absolute upset of the year. And like, uh, you know, is, is something that the Chargers should absolutely, you know, hang their hat on. Um, you know, we we criticized Staley and Telesco pretty vigorously for not going and getting a tackle in the draft, not going and getting a tackle, you know, in free agency. But Trey Pipkins has been the real deal to this point. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I was I figured someone would maybe go elsewhere for offense. So Trey Pipkins was going to be my pick um, for offensive player. And, but listen, the numbers are there. Do I think this absolutely could change? We could literally flip this tomorrow. You know, he has a rough game. Mike Williams has another great game. And I would think honestly, sure. Mike Williams would be offensive player of the year or the you know the five games, whatever that is. But through four games with the consistency and listen. His pass blocking efficiency right now is higher than Slater's was last year. They're not the same player. One of them <laughs> is playing right tackle, but like he's eighth in the league in pass blocking efficiency. If you filter the 150 snaps, he's playing well. And you just saw last week that the run game is kind of going behind him and Zion because they're figuring it out too. It's it's been pretty good, man. Like I I don't think this holds the rest of the year, and I could easily just put him as surprise, the best surprise, and. So far, hands down, he's been, I think, the best surprise. Uh, but full stop, he's been good, man. Yeah, you know, I still was getting uh, comments this week that like, oh, Sawyer is going to be the right tackle next year, right? And it's like, no, no, you you cannot let quality tackles leave in free agency. That's that's not how good teams <laughs> oh, <yeah>. have business. <laughs> so <laughs> they yeah. finally get Trey Pipkins to hit. They need to keep him, and I don't care what he costs at this point. Uh, obviously, he has to keep continuing to play like this. But yeah, um, I did not have him as my offensive player of the year, but he was definitely on my ballot overall. Yeah, definitely. Tyler, you wanted to go next? Sure. Um, MVP, I'm actually going to go with Derwin James, uh, only because Alex already took Justin Herbert, and I think we could all say that, because it is. But Derwin James still has been freaking awesome um, on pace set here career high in pressures, sacks, tackles, passes broken up. He's looking really, really good. He allowed three catches for three yards last week. It was basically, oh, you yeah. can catch your ball in the flat, and then I'll tackle you immediately. Um, and they were brilliant. They were brilliant tackles. He looks amazing out there. It's crazy. We're just watching Nasir Adderley overall, who's been you know, kind of below average this year. But he's, I think, through his whole career, fine. Average. Maybe above average last year. Sure. The difference between him and Derwin James is ridiculous. Like, Derwin James is just a completely different player. Um, seeing him just work in this, this defense, looking healthy, um, settled in, I feel like. He's awesome. So MVP Derwin James. Um, so offense, I would say then Justin Herbert, but because we already said Justin Herbert and because we said Trey Pipkins, I'll go Gerald Everett for this one. Um, he's on pace to absolutely destroy his, his career bests Yeah, um, on pace for 65 ish catches um, on a hundred targets, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, there are 21 tight ends who earn more annually than he does right now. And he has more yards than all, but four of them. And one of them is, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, Dallas Goddard <laughs> and, I can't remember the other guy, um, but he's, if we talk about best free agent signing, it could be him. If we talk about offensive player, it could be him. Gerald Everett has been awesome, and he's going to like double his career stats at his current pace, which might change with Donald Parham back and Keenan Allen back. But right now, man, this dude is consistent. I think he has four targets in every game. 
and he's been willing this team to some you know some points um again outside of that pick six freak accident he was dragging the chiefs you know down to the you know red zone he's awesome he's been great so i think he's my offensive player of the year and then defense i'll go khalil mack because i really think khalil mack has changed at least two game outcomes for the chargers one definitely against the raiders mm-hmm. and i do think so as well against the texans last week whether it's that fourth down where the texans just said eh we won't block him on fourth down um, or just the sack or the pressures and of course against the raiders the three sack huge performance like i think he's changed the outcome of two games for the better and so that's that's close to mvp for me too um but i'm gonna give him the defensive player so far yeah i uh i definitely can understand that logic for mvp as well i think it's herbert or derwin james for me in that mm-hmm. award um you know i i don't feel the need to like come up with new players no. so I, i'm gonna pick justin herbert as mvp um him leading the league in passing yards and playing essentially seven quarters of healthy football is pretty freaking insane to me that's just like not getting talked about so um he looked a lot more like himself last week against the texans and you know i talked about this you know on tuesday's show and um he threw all week this week and he talked about how much he just more comfortable he is even though he's not like healthy he's still going through some pain um but he's more comfortable for sure so mvp there um offensive player of the year i was going to go with gerald everett same kind of conversation you know he's playing at a very very high level right now um i'm excited to see him get into more of a secondary role as a blocker um that's not a shade but you know i think uh you know that's just not who he is so um they split him out wide uh at a very high level last week against the texans i think like 25 percent of his snaps or something like that um so i'm curious to see if that trend continues but he's been playing well um defensive player of the year Kalimak absolutely deserving. I'm going with Derwin James there, though. Um, you have to feel like he is going to get some interceptions here pretty quick. Um, you know, he's as weird as it is to see to say this, like mentally, I think he's just at such a higher level this year than we've seen him in the past. Like he is reading things and anticipating things at a much higher level, especially in coverage. So um, you know, he's making some great plays on the ball, and I, I'm pretty confident that he'll get some uh interceptions here uh very soon. So uh love what Derwin James is doing. Obviously, he got that extension, deserves it, and I expect him to uh hold down this award for the rest of the season. Yep, all good calls there. Um, all right, uh let's go uh rookie of the year, best signing and biggest surprise. I'll go first here. Rookie of the year, like we really only have two choices. Like it's for me, it's Zion or Jamari Sawyer, depending on how you feel about that, that one game and what that one game meant. Um, but I I love the way that Zion Johnson is playing. He's not been perfect for sure. Um, but we're talking about a rookie offensive guard, which is is a hard transition to make from college to the NFL. Um, he's had some really good moments against Chris Jones, really good moments against Malik Collins. Um, good moments against the Raiders defensive line. So he's been as advertised to me, like I said, has not been perfect, but I don't think you can give an award to a player for one game as good as that one game was. So uh, Zion for me, the biggest or the best signing, it's Morgan Fox for me, man. Morgan Fox is playing at such a high level. According to Mm -hmm. next gen stats, he has the highest pressure rate of any interior defensive lineman in the league. Full stop. Like that. That's next gen stats. Like every, all mm-hmm. three of these like sites that track these things are all doing them differently. He's not great in ESPN's metrics. 
but he's mm-hmm. really good on next gen stats and he ranks really well on pffs as well so um he's on pace to shatter his personal best as well he's got 11 pressures already um his season high i think with the rams in 2020 was like 31 if i'm not mistaken um and he's on pace for a little over 40 so um playing at a very very high level and the chargers needed him and he's been good against the run as well mm-hmm. um biggest disappointment or i'm sorry biggest surprise for me trey pipkins that's where that comes in yeah um same kind of things that Alex was talking about. I'm um, really excited to see where that goes. And the biggest disappointment is in this year, Adderley, I think by a pretty mm. wide margin for me. I thought that he would take a pretty big step forward this year. Um, last year, he was not great in coverages. You know, he dropped like three or four interceptions, I felt like. But he took such a big step as a run defender last year. And that just has not carried over to this season. So I was hoping to see Nasir Adderley kind of take that step from like average safety, maybe above average safety last year to like really good, not uh, not necessarily elite or anything, but I was expecting him to be kind of like potentially borderline top 12 safety this year. And that just hasn't happened. So he's been pretty bad, uh, kind of playing more of like the 2020 Nas. Uh, so I, I've yeah. been pretty disappointed in that. Yeah, I feel like the list of disappointments is actually kind of long for this team. Maybe based on like trajectories or or certain things, it just I feel like the disappointment list is kind of long so far. But some you can table for another four weeks to really decide. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so what are we rookie of the year first? Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty. Despite despite Xander Horvath's two touchdowns, <laughs> uh, I I do think that it is Zion Johnson. Um, has held down the right side of the line along with my offensive player of the year so far, Trey Pipkins. Uh, they've done a really good job there, uh, and Zion's been uh, really good and a really big part of that. Uh, what was the next one? Uh, best signing and then biggest oh. surprise and then biggest disappointment. Yeah, but best signing, I think, has to be Bryce Callahan. Um, actually, just how he's held down the fort. Um, you can make an argument for Morgan Fox. Um, despite last week, I still think you can make an argument for DeAndre Carter. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do think that you look at those guys that they got on those one-year deals uh, as t- in terms of the best value they got. And I think Bryce Callahan has certainly mm-hmm. been the best flipping of that, just holding down the slot. Uh, and that was yeah. such a problem for that for last year with Chris Harris. Uh, so the improvement there for the amount of money that they spent and the amount of value that they're getting and he's staying healthy um, so far to this point, knock on wood. Uh, I do think that that's got to be uh, Bryce Callahan. For me, biggest surprise, I think you just still got to go with Trey Pipkins. I mean, I <laughs> remember just how much yeah. we were all dreading like a Pipkins-Norton camp battle, whatever that meant. Um, and so for me, uh, I, I got to go with him there. Biggest disappointment for me, um, I've expected more from Josh Palmer than what we've gotten yeah. to this point. And I think it's particularly accentuated in, you know, where we haven't had Keenan Allen for, mm-hmm. you know, essentially the entire season outside of a quarter and a half. Um, he's playing 80 and 90 percent of the snaps. And I just, you know, he did some cool stuff with pre-snap motion last week, has the 99 yard game against the Jags. But overall production, I mean, he has 60 yards in the other three games, uh, averaging 20 in those uh kind of disappears for large portions of these games too has not become that route runner separator mm-hmm. guy that i think he was hyped up to be a little bit in the offseason with all the training with keenan allen stuff 
Um, I just don't think they've gotten the most out of him, and especially in a world where, you know, the Chargers look at him as a guy that one day could be wide receiver too, along with Keenan Allen or along with Mike Williams, whatever that ends up looking like in the future. Um, to me, he just kind of looks like the same guy as last year, which is not bad by any means, but um, hasn't impressed me or taken like a big step forward either. Yeah, Josh Palmer, I actually only thought the Houston game recently was the first game I thought that he looked like he actually was able to break down and chop and cut. He looked a bit more fluid. I don't know why he didn't look like that in the first couple of games, nerves or whatever, but the way he was able to break down that particular game, again, even with 25 yards and one catch, that's it. He looked better. Like he looked healthier, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but he looked he looked better, so hopefully there's better things on the horizon there. Um, we'll see. But yeah, it's a bit a bit disappointing. He'll pass his yard total from last year, probably, and his catches and maybe touchdowns. Um, but he's been a wide receiver too for this team for a good bit now, and you'd expect a little bit more. But they haven't really quite figured it out with him and Herbert. That's that's almost more the surprise than anything is that he him and Herbert have been off, which you wouldn't yeah. expect for someone you spend so much time with, uh, or supposedly off the field or after practice, but. I don't know. Things just weren't really clicking. Yeah, I mean, his... Uh, oh, that was from last season. I mean, you're talking about something. He had 99 yards against the Jaguars. A lot of that was in, you know, garbage time. Um, you know, and that he had that one 45-yard game. So, I mean, he's got... He had three catches for five yards against the Raiders. One for 25 against Houston. He was injured. But four for 30 against the Chiefs is kind of like, okay... <laughs> That was kind of the game where it's like, okay, you feel good about Josh Palmer heading in. And um, it's just been like Tyler said, it's been a little off. Um, but all right. So before Tyler gets into his final selections here, uh, if you do have any questions, feel free to let us know. We'll take questions for about 10 minutes. So uh, Tyler, go ahead and uh, wrap us up. All right. I already forget what order we're doing things. So I'll just I'll just go through them in some order and hopefully it gets all four. Um, <laughs> best signing. So I would have said Bryce Callen has a hand as well. Uh, for looking at who's allowed now this isn't it's kind of an inflated awkward stat but who's allowed the fewest yards this season as a corner at the 50 percent snap threshold um the fewest yards so far steven will like these first two uh jc horn 47 yards the second one is kair elam 50 yards and third is bryce callahan the third fewest yards in the league right go. now as a corner granted yeah it's a slot corner and you can talk about opponent and quarterback whatever still how much did we bitch and complain about Chris Harris Jr. last year? Oh boy, did we do it a lot. I mean, and probably <laughs> the fact that, you know, Bryce Callahan's only allowed 59 yards in four games so far. Again, you could talk about opponent, but listen, that was, you know, Derek Carr and the Raiders and Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, whatever. That was the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's a lot of good teams in there. And 59 yards, not bad. So I think he or Morgan Fox for sure. I think we're close to saying Sebastian Joseph Day if he continues sure. what he did last week. But I think it was just kind of quiet to start, and now he's ramped up. Uh, biggest surprise, Trey Pipkins. I literally could not think of anyone else outside of Trey Pipkins, unless we're talking about negative surprises. But in terms of a positive surprise, yeah, it's Trey Pipkins. Biggest disappointment. And I want people, because I know there's someone already in the chat being like, I hate you if you say this answer. Don't take disappointment as bad. But for me, disappointment is J.C. Jackson, because we've expected, like, we they spent a lot of money on this player to come in and be a true number one corner. And it just hasn't been that way yet, but not really through any particular fault of his own. He says mm -hmm. he's at 90%. He says he's not healthy. Obviously there was that freak surgery wound, 
and then inflammation, whatever thing happened. It's not like it's his, anybody's fault, really. But we still, the Chargers still paid him to be a number one corner, and it just hasn't looked like that yet. And people are saying in the chat, Asante Samuel Jr. looks like corner one. Technically, so far, he has kind of played like it. But if that's the case, then yeah, your $17 million a year corner that you just paid is the biggest disappointment. So Filer mm-hmm. absolutely could be in there as well. Nasir Adderley, absolutely. But yeah, Jay-Z right now, biggest disappointment. And then best, oh, rookie. Yeah, best rookie Zion Johnson. Uh, sorry, that <laughs> it's it's great. Like, I, listen, the fact that we, our two favorite picks in the draft, I'm sure, were Zion and Jamari. And the fact that both those guys are the two favorites for, you know, rookie of the year for the chargers uh, i don't know that's pretty good because those are the only two ones that i stood up and cheered for otherwise <laughs> you know i was kind of like eh, for some of these but no going pretty well I, I think if we were doing like a if we did the like mid-season awards or we did like end of season awards and jc jackson was still kind of on the pace he's on for that season i i probably would put him as most disappointing but You know, he is removed from obviously coming back from the surgery. So I want to give it a couple more weeks before I'm on the most disappointing. But I do think for sure, you know, by the end of the season, if he does continue this level of play and we are more removed from that surgery timeline that I mean, that could definitely be the pick. Yeah, I mean, he's got a big game this week against Amari Cooper. Presumably I would expect him to uh, shadow him. So I think biggest disappointment for me would be Nas or Matt Filer. Like I said, Matt Filer is just not playing at a good level. I feel like most of his issues are workable, um, but we'll see how that one goes. And I will say he hasn't played a ton, but uh, another biggest surprise candidate I think could be Joshua Kelly. I mean, that probably was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a take that we could have had obviously after the preseason, but I mean, he's, he's pretty clearly the most efficient running back on this team right now on a per touch basis. Um, I hope they lean into that, and uh, sounds like Joe Lombardi maybe realizes that as well. So we'll see. Um, all right, we'll get to some questions, uh, and then we'll head out of here. Wanted to touch on this one uh, first and foremost. It was basically the first question since uh, most of them were comments, but um, we've gotten a lot of new uh, subscribers and followers and stuff. Obviously, with the new season, so uh, Prefontaine. I'm gonna say, guess how you that's how you say that. Wants to know how each of us became Chargers fans. Obviously, Tyler's dad is a Raiders fan. I grew up in Utah. Alex grew up on the East Coast. So, um, Tyler, we'll let you answer that one first. Wait, hold on. I'm going to try to share my screen here so I can get an exact answer for you as to why I became a Chargers fan. First off, so I grew up in Orange County. And I live in Orange County. So, it's like it, it was going to be some sort of Southern California team probably. Um, yeah, my dad was a Raiders fan, but I was never a Raiders fan. I just was like. You know, I, I watched some of the old highlights and it was great, but I was never a real big fan. All right. Here's why I became a Raiders fan. So here's the Raiders Char- record. Or excuse me, a chart. Jesus Christ. Someone's going to crop. <laughs> here's why I became uh, a Raiders fan. <laughs> sorry. Here's why I didn't become a Raiders fan. So I was born in 95 and they were okay. But by the time I reached the age of reason, I was sort of able to start liking football. Uh, here's the Raiders record four and 12, five and 11, four and 12, two and 14, four and 12, five and 11, five and 11. Finally, eight and eight. By the time we were eight, they were eight and eight, I was already a Chargers fan. Not saying I bandwagon on the Chargers, but I grew up in Southern California. I was never a Raiders fan really to begin with. And then the Chargers were a good team. And listen, you grew up in Southern California, you're probably liking one of those teams. Um, so or a, a California team. And of course, I ended up going with the Chargers, and the Raiders were terrible, like they were an awful, awful team. So, yeah, I became a Chargers fan because of that. 
All right, Alex, you go next. Uh, jerseys look pretty. I like powder blue, and Philip Rivers is my dad. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> There's good odds in that being true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's just how I got attached to the team. Obviously, that LT Gates era, um, like, to me, that, that Chargers team was just really fun to follow. Um, not everything has been fun since. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, that's just how I got on this whole, you know, uh, around the time that the Chargers were at that peak, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so growing up in Utah, I mean, we when I was a kid, we only got Broncos games or, like, the big national teams, you know, like Cowboys, Steelers, Packers. So um, when I was a kid, I didn't want to be a fan of everybody else. I, I didn't want to be a fan of the teams that everybody else in Utah was. So um, we had cousins who lived down in Oceanside at the time when I was, you know, in elementary school and middle school. Um, and when I was nine years old, we went down to Oceanside for Thanksgiving, went to a Chargers game with the uh with you know with with my cousins obviously um that would have been 2003 um so that was drew Brees's last year i believe starting it was lt was obviously a big thing in that time and lt gates man it was just it was just a really fun game really fun team they looked great like alex said um you know my cousins are from southern california so it was just kind of a natural decision and then obviously once i got you know more into football you know, more into trying to, you know, be like these players, right? Like I wanted to, you know, be like a Sean Merriman kind of player on defense and like Nick Hardwick, you know, I played center. So Nick Hardwick was my guy. So um, it just kind of was natural selection for me, even though I wasn't necessarily from Southern California. Um, all right. Well, first super chat question. We did get a super sticker earlier from Tyler's mom, of course. So enemy talent here. Uh, with the key pieces of the offense returning, do you think Lombardi will get out of the hot seat by the bye week? So uh, I, think I am going to say not on the hot seat by the team at all. Do not think he is in danger of being fired at all. Uh, I understand fans have frustrations with him. So if we're talking about a hot seat from a fan perspective, I think we can answer this question. But Tyler, what do you think? Oh, he'll never be out of the hot seat by some fans. The Chargers dropped 34 <laughs> points, and they're like, that was too conservative. And then they watch the Colts <laughs> and the Broncos play Thursday night football. And it's like, you know, I think that's kind of what conservative bad offense looks like, but it could be wrong. Um, I, I, I don't think they'll ever, he'll be, ever be off the hot seat. Again, he had, they had a top five offense last year, and it was like, should fire him, not good enough. And if the key pieces return, and in theory that means they get better, they're going to be a top five offense again, uh, whether you like it or not. I don't care if what you like or dislike about the offense. If it's top five again, it's top five again. Um, and some fans just, that's the first thing they go to. Never mind the fact that the defense has been worse in both years. Never mind the fact that the defense has allowed more second half points than any team in the league so far. Uh, it's the offense. And Joe Lombardi has been the guy that everyone wants to fire. Um, I'm kind of a, a Lombardi apologist, unfortunately. Um, I don't, uh, the fan you've decided you've either decided you're fine with it because you like the numbers and it kind of works or you absolutely hate it and you think it's conservative even if they score 49 points if they only score seven in the third quarter then it's conservative so i don't think he'll ever be out of the hot seat for the fans unless they win a super bowl yeah I, and i mean it's tough to imagine him getting out of like the fan dog house like this week or like any other week just because i mean they don't have Keenan Allen right now. 
they don't have Rashawn Slater. So like what the offense is going to look like is kind of probably conservative for a little bit or at least not as high scoring as some people would want it to be. Yeah, I mean, objectively, like Joe Lombardi's, I think he's like a B-level coordinator. And some people obviously want the Chargers to have more than that. And I understand that. I always laugh when people are like, we should have an offensive coordinator like the Chiefs. Yeah, everybody has been looking for Andy Reid clones for 25 years. There's Doug Peterson and nobody else has been able to replicate what he's been able to do. So, um, you know, I think offensive coordinator is just one of those positions where are you functional? Can you, you know, communicate at a high level? Can you play to your players' strengths? And I think for the most part, Joe Lombardi has been able to do that. And I think he's a B-level coordinator as objectively as you could possibly be. Um, so I don't think he's on the hot seat by the team. I understand the fans' frustration to a certain extent. Um, but they're like fourth in passing rate over expected. Like they're not even being conservative. Like if you're arguing that they run the ball too much, like that's just objectively not happening. So I if you're frustrated, like be frustrated about the right thing. So be frustrated about being too conservative because that's not what is happening here. Yeah, because Matt Filer getting blown up on an outside zone run or Trey McKitty letting some edge rusher through, that's not conservative. That's just you didn't block a guy, so the play didn't go for 45 yards. Just just, just be the Chiefs. Just, just, have just be the Chiefs. And Andy yeah, it's so easy. It's incredibly, it's incredibly simple. I don't know why yeah. people haven't figured this out. Yeah, just be one of the greatest play callers of all time. Otherwise, you know, all good. We'll see. There there are obviously adjustments that need to be made. And, you know, there people have kind of pointed out to me that Gerald Everett and DeAndre Carter seem to like be always running into each other on routes. I do think that does change eventually. I mean, this is the first time that DeAndre Carter has really been like featured on offense. Um, So there's definitely some some things that need to be ironed out for sure. Um, Chorizo asking another question. Uh, what is your guys' record prediction for the second quarter of the season and which game are you most looking forward to? So obviously that would be the Browns game, the Broncos game, the Seahawks game, and then uh, the Falcons after the bye. Three and one. Well, we just picked the Browns to beat them, so but three and one. And uh, that wouldn't really change whether they won or lost tomorrow. Two, two and two or three and one. I need to see a couple more weeks of Gino before I make my pick on that game. Um, yeah. I, no. That's the game that you think is a toss-up? Yeah. Not the divisional the, game? No. Russell Wilson sucks. He looks like shit. <laughs> They're going to beat the Broncos. Um, yeah. No. Oh I, I, I think the Gino game is the toss-up game. If they were in Seattle, maybe. Yeah, I feel a little better about them being at home. No, I, I mean, did we just game. play like 10 minutes ago? Atlanta was like a sneaky team to potentially beat the Bucs this week. <laughs> like, so well, I mean, that's because the Bucs offense can't score more than like 17 points. Yeah, we can score 20. <laughs> yeah, we, we, can, we can score at least 20 on a good day. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. After I mean, we just I'll, defended the Chargers offense. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, I'll say three and one but i don't feel super confident about that just because yeah the atlanta game is the last game they travel to the east coast as well i think um for the for the season is it i believe it is so that could Uh, be the east coast uh, game unless you consider indy yeah indy's not east coast Coast. (laughs) oh they really don't have a lot of yeah yeah 
Because Atlanta. Yeah, I think I think Atlanta's also their last one o'clock game for the entire year. Um, if I'm right, but um, yeah. So I I don't know. I I could see them losing one of the Atlanta or Seattle games. Probably definitely not both. And then obviously, if they win the Browns game, then that makes three and one a lot more likely. But yeah, uh, I'll say three and one. Yeah, I'll say three and one as well. Um, the Falcons are definitely running the ball at a high level, but their quarterback is probably like second or third worst in the league, whereas Jacoby Brissett is like playing effectively. So right. um, Marcus Mariota, um, that's that's just not an effective offense overall. And I do think it's not sustainable, um, even though it's really fun. So I'll, I'll say three and one. Um, most excited would, I, I think it's tomorrow. Like even though I, I picked them to win, I, yeah. I think this is, a real litmus test for where this team is at overall, even though the Browns Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily like an elite team, but I think we'll really get a sense of where this defense is at, where this offense is at, you know, building off of last week. So I'm excited for tomorrow. Yeah, me too. I mean, then right after that second quarter, we have (laughs) the 49ers. So how they do tomorrow (laughs) against Cleveland will kind of, you know, change how I feel maybe about that San Francisco game, which again, they're not like fantastic, but that's, that's another good rushing team. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's so funny. Look at the rest of the schedule. Like, did I have them? You know, barely. I, we we picked them to barely beat the Texans, and they lost the Jaguars. But how much better do we feel now about like the Arizona game, or the Tennessee game, or the Indy game, where those would have been yeah. more of a toss-up? So it's, things are so different than the start of the season. It feels like, and I mean, Denver potentially, potentially worse against Miami. So um, yeah, I think obviously you feel really good about next week. I know people were saying that like. Oh, like it's gonna be so classic Chargers to like lose this game to the Broncos, but the Broncos are like bad at football on offense, and they it lost hurt. their left tackle, they mm-hmm. lost their running back. So uh, we get primetime Justin Herbert next week. I'm not, I'm not concerned about next week. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just still shocked at how bad the Russell Wilson decline has been. Like yeah. I, I thought it was coming, but this fast, like, ugh. um. Yeah, I mean, he's not running at all. Like, I think he's had like six scrambles out of the pocket this year. And then his deep ball has just fallen off of a cliff. So um, it's been bad. I, Me and Alex were kind of on the same page about him. I, I can't remember where Ty was at, but, you know, we were on the same page about Russell being on, on the decline, but he's mm-hmm. he's fallen off of a cliff this year. Man, I, I thought we were on the same page till someone cropped up in my Twitter mentions at 1 a.m. in the morning. I go to the bathroom. I see Stevens adding me on Twitter. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And, and I just see that. I'm like, I agreed with you like a week later. It's true. I had so much fun on Thursday. I um, I had a really shitty day at work that day. I had to do a lot of like CPS. Thanks. I can, I could tell you had a shitty day at work and needed to let it out, but all in those funny games. I had to do with like three CPS calls on Thursday with my students, oh. which is not fun. Um, and then you know, I, I had my anniversary dinner that was great, obviously with Brooke. But then I, I just needed some comic relief, and so like going back and and going through those tweets, and for the most part, it was like ninety nine percent directed at you know, the Broncos fans and media that found that tweet, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was fun. It was a good night. Yeah. So none of us picked the Broncos to make the playoffs for what it's worth. So, yeah. Yeah. I um, we, we all had to see it first. Yeah. I, I, I figured they'd be like a nine and eight team just would kind of struggle mm-hmm. a little bit out of the gate, but like they're trending towards firing Hackett like mid season at this point. Like it's just, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I'm actually curious after, this week rolls through 
because I actually I did start looking back at the terrible Manning final year and that offense, and I think it might be close. Um, to oh the same. God! After after this particular week on Thursday Night Football, I actually think it might be close. And the defense is nowhere close. No, and they're still good, but yeah, that that no. Um, all right, a few more super chats, then we'll head out. Uh, lefty top tens is Josh Palmer actually good? Um, I think he's fine. Yeah. Like, I think he's a fine role player. I just mm-hmm. don't think that he's a number two. Like, no, you know, obviously, there were a lot of people like talking before the season, like, oh, he'll replace Keenan Allen, he'll replace Mike Williams. Like, I think that can that can stop, but he's yeah, a fine role player. I, I, I mean, for me, it's all about what the expectation has been for him. And if, if you know, mm-hmm. people are talking about breakout candidate before the season, and I never fully bought into that personally, just because I don't think his athletic profile is like that kind of a guy to like become the wide receiver one or become this like wide receiver two on a team. Um, I think you need to at least be, if you're not athletic, have the skill sets that, you know, Keenan and Mike do. Uh, in terms of using Mike using his body, Keenan using his route running technician ability. Palmer is just, I think, good at a bunch of things, uh, but I don't think he's elite at one particular aspect of his game, which to me prevents him from necessarily being that breakout candidate. Now, I think he can also be a fine wide receiver three, wide receiver four for as long as his rookie contract is. And might, that might be a disappointment for some people, but I was also never on like the he's going to break out train, I guess. Um and yeah, so I mean, I didn't expect him. I, I didn't expect DeAndre Carter to be <laughs> producing him um, by this point in the season. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, there's just been something funky off training camp, going there, watching it. Josh Palmer, Josh Palmer, Josh Palmer, Josh Palmer looked really good. And then just something about, especially on the Kansas City game, there's something just off right now. I don't really know what, what it was. Um, thankfully, he does have either a quick out or you know a regular out route. That's his like signature thing right now. That seems to be very difficult for teams to figure out. That's I think most of his catches, if not for a couple of slants in the red zone against the Chiefs, have been on an out route. And I thought that was the same last year as well. So he's got that. I, I'm curious what it looks like when Keenan is back. I almost feel like mm-hmm. when that wide receiver two weight isn't on him, Keenan's back because he can hit the corner, he can hit the post. If that opens things up more for Josh Palmer, but. It looked it, things looked better for Josh Palmer last week. Again, only twenty five yards, but things looked better. He looked crisper. But yeah, I, I think he's yeah he's he's the wide receiver three on this team. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully he improves and and things get better. But um, Richard pointed this out. You guys remember when he hired Mike McCoy over Andy Reid and Bruce Arians? I don't think Andy Reid was ever seriously considering the Chargers personally. I mean, the Chargers were in kind of a really tough situation at that point. There was a lot of relocation talk still going on. Um, I don't remember them. I mean, I was only in high school at that point, but I don't remember Bruce Arians really being connected to the Chargers in that coaching cycle. I'll be honest. I was a fan, but I wasn't really following as strongly until until literally that 2013 season. So I don't remember like the ins and outs of what was going on. Yeah, but I I, I feel pretty confident that Andy Reid was never seriously considering this team. Um, are we at a super sticker from Ivan? Appreciate that, Ivan. And then uh, last question here. Well, I guess it's not even really a question. Um, 
Teresa Gompapa is just pointing out with a super chat. I guess people here in Fresno, there's going to be a watch party at the press box in Clovis off of Hernan and Fowler. So I know there's some a decent amount of uh, Central Valley people in here. So uh, hit that place up if you feel like it. Um, do you guys see any other questions you wanted to hit? Nope. All right. So hour 25 today, longest Saturday Q&A in a while. Um, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out, man? Uh, nope. Just hope that uh, our reverse jinx works and everyone can come laugh at us tomorrow. <laughs> and we went 0-3 on our picks and it'll be great if the Chargers win tomorrow. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I, I can't wait for the subtle tweets directed at us for not picking the Chargers. <laughs> um, but I, I can't wait to read between those lines. Yeah, should be fun. I mean, obviously, we're all rooting for the Chargers to win. So that's the bottom line for us. So I uh, hope everybody has a, a wonderful Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the Super Chats. Uh, as always, if you're listening to this, please leave us a rating or a view. We always appreciate that support as well. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll uh, see you next time. See you tomorrow, I should say. Bye-bye.